chapter 521. You want to follow along. I notice when we, I don't know if you're noticing that, when you read through a gospel or preach through a gospel or study through a gospel, um, you know, we all have a lot of uh, what we call C and E Christians. You've probably heard that. You know, they come at Christmas and Easter, which I've always said I'm better than not coming at Christmas and Easter. And it's but, uh, but you miss so much of the depth of the knowledge of who he is and getting to know him through. Um, you know, you go through this, and when you do hit E, Easter, and, and I guess G, Good Friday, you, is this somebody that's dying for you that you know now? You know, as we read through this, we g- we're getting to know him through how he interacts with people, and it's 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 kind of a, a neat thing. Uh, he's been last week. He did. Uh, he's doing these uh, miracles. Last week it was a uh, driving out an evil spirit or multiple ones, and uh, and also stilling storms. You know, and showing his power. Uh, in this particular account, we're going to see this more overt, but. Most of the time in Jesus' ministry, what he's doing is going to teach. He's going to show who he is. It doesn't mean the miracles uh, were not uh, something he wanted to do, but they're almost always in interruptions. He's going to do something else, and it gets interrupted. Uh, and I- and it's this is exactly what happens here. We have three interruptions in this, this text today. So uh, we're back to... Capernaum, uh, or Capernaum, as they call it in, in Hebrew, that, that actually Capernaum, uh, Nahum was a prophet uh, to Nineveh eventually, uh, and this is, Caper just means town, so it's a town of Nahum, that's where this comes from, so Capernaum, um, and if you want to use the Palestinian accent, uh, you can do that. I always thought it'd be neat to do a whole sermon in a Palestinian accent, but not today, uh, have to, I'd have to practice. It'd be kind of fun to listen to. You probably would just be listening to me talking and not what I'm actually doing here. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's read. Verses 21 through 24. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, so they were in the Decapolis area, which is Gentile area, so probably the boat being belonging to some of the disciples was probably in Picernum. Uh, a, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and imploring him earnestly said, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that you may, that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. So interruption. Uh, he gets out of here. He's probably, if he's, it's saying a great crowd is gathered, they're probably there for one of two reasons, and that's either healing or listening to his words or maybe both. So this is interruption number one. Uh, the synagogue leader, Jairus, uh, his daughter is deathly sick. Um, you know, my little daughter is at the point of death. Uh, now, what does it mean to be the synagogue leader? Um, well, it would, it, it would be the main Bible teacher in a synagogue, uh, along with organizing elders. So I, it'd be pretty close to like the head pastor of a church. I mean, if it was a church and not a synagogue. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but the word for church is ecclesia, and the word for synagogue is synagogus, uh, which is not that hard to remember. But they're both just the word for assembly, and they just have, uh, that's all it means, the assembled people. Um, and so... It, 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 we just keep assembling. Now we're assembling. In the synagogue, they assembled under the old covenant, and in a church, you assemble uh, under the new. Um, 
but he, he falls at Jesus' feet. Um, it shows reverence and respect and, and maybe a little bit of, uh, he's probably a little desperate too, uh, if she's on the point of death. Uh, but, you know, verse 23, you know, it, it, you, you lay your hands on her so that she may uh, be made well and live. Uh, he shows faith and trust in Jesus. You don't know, there are different TV shows and, and movies kind of put backstory here, and I think that's great. I, I think about the backstory. This guy might have been risking quite a bit by doing this, because um, by then there were already leaders that didn't care for Jesus because of who he was claiming to be in some ways. So it may have been great risk. So he's ready to go. He went with him. Probably was a discussion. I don't know what it was, but he, it's interruption. Knows Jesus is okay with interruptions. And don't get carried away with this, but I am too. It's always interesting. People say, well, can I come and talk to you? It's like, sure. Well, I don't want to interrupt. It's like, that is what my job is, is interruptions. You know, if you can't deal with that, you probably shouldn't be in the job. You know, and that's, uh, now if it's interruption after interruption, if you're annoying, I might have to tell you that. Uh, not that any of you would be, but you know, it's somebody else. Um, but it, it, Jesus is, you know, he knows this. He, he, he doesn't say anything about the faith. Um, so he's going to go along here. This is what we have. Uh, you know, the great crowd is following him and thronging about him. So he's trying to get there uh, because there's a big crowd. You know, he's, he's pretty, uh, at least popular, if not famous. And we'll have to go with it. People know who he is. But then you get another interruption. You can't even, you get an interruption with an interruption. It's just like, wow. Um, so this is a little longer, but it's, it's an interesting text, and we're going to kind of work through it. Um, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowds pressing around you and you, yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So it's good sometimes when we look at the Bible, there's different ways to interpret things. I realize that, and they're probably going to be that way to the end of time. And it's okay if you think your interpretation is right, just don't get cocky. That's really all it comes down to. I mean, I've had people say, well, you think you're right. And I'm like, well, duh, why would I interpret it in a way I thought was wrong? Now, you've got to be humble enough to listen to other people. This one isn't too hard, but there's probably more going on here than just the, the healing itself. But a lot of times you can, you can get really good theology just by reading the text. Really, just we, I said that this morning in our Roman study. I said, you know, the best way to study the text is to read a little bit slower, you know, and then get into it. So we're going to do that. What's the first? A woman who's never named has an incurable disease, which tells us a little bit about the way ancient narrative 
comes out. You know, if, if I was doing this, I'd give her a name. Um, but guess what? I'm not doing this. Um, she's right up there with Noah's wife, right? We just don't know what the name is. Doesn't mean they're not important. It just means we don't have a name. So she has this issue of blood. Well, again, a little context. You may know this, but an issue of blood would make you ceremonially unclean in the Old Covenant. Um, you could not enter the temple uh, or a synagogue. So she is separated from her people and can't worship God with them. So this is more than just the physical element. There's a social element. There's a religious spiritual element here. And you could see how somebody like this might think God must not care for me much or he wouldn't do this to me. I mean, that, and that's there today, right? Um, and the second part of this, whoever she touches becomes ceremonially unclean too. You have to go, depending on the ailment, seven to days or 40 days, and you, 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 you can't worship. So She's in the crowd. She should not be in the crowd. She's going against the law. She touches Jesus. She's in the crowd. She touches Jesus. Both are against the law, uh, against the ceremonial law. When we look at this, though, you think about, I don't know how this works, and the Bible doesn't tell us directly, but there were certain things in the Old Covenant that were ceremonially unclean. You have a situation where, what was the what was the temple for, or the tabernacle? A couple, two main things, or maybe three. Sacrifices, prayer and worship. Yeah, that's what it's for. Sacrifices. So how does one sacrifice? You go up and just give some money. No, you kill an animal. Not always. There's a grain offering too, but the main one, you know, the Passovers and Yom Kippur. I mean, you're killing things. Um, it, you don't have to have a medical degree to fill out when you kill something. Blood happens, right? And in ancient Near Eastern thought, there are all kinds of ways to do sacrifice. The, the Old Covenant's really unique. It never tells us that Yahweh needs to eat this stuff. Who ate all this stuff for the most part? It was the priests. It's like, I always thought if I was a priest back then, I was like, you know, you guys are kind of screwing up. I really think maybe some ribeye is what you need to. <laughs> Medium rare, you know, a little A1. Oh, yeah, and sins are forgiven. Uh, you know, uh, you got to be careful, right? Uh, but so there's a lots of blood going on here. If you read through Leviticus, which is actually not as boring as you think, um, but it, it shows us all this cleansing stuff. Over and over again, every sac after every sacrifice, you've got to cleanse stuff. And why do they do it? Because God tells them to cleanse it. But you wonder in the background, these other places weren't doing that. These other altars, other pagan religions, and disease was rampant. But not in Israel. And it could be because God said, I'm not going to have you all have disease. But it also could be you have to actually wash our hands and clean things up. So we know now that trichinosis was just rampant in in pigs back then. And guess what was unclean? Yeah. You know, it's not that Jesus didn't, I mean, there, and again, why do you do it? Because God said so, and God can do that. But there may have been other reasons for this. So again, she goes in, she has this issue of blood. They don't know if she touches somebody, they might get it too. Do you want it? 
you know, so we look at it, we look on everybody and say, well, they're shunning her. They're just following what God said. It's got to be hard, though. So what's she going to do? She's just going to touch. And she trusted that all she has to do is touch. This is really some great faith here. Uh, it doesn't really say where it came from. It doesn't say she's better than other people. It just said that she's just saying, all I got to do is touch him. And I know this is going to get taken care of. This is very unique. You know, like I think we said that before. You put down every healing in the Bible and then figure out how they work and you won't figure it out because it's a little bit different, everyone. It's not incantational. She's immediately healed when she touches. Boom. And so she has what she came for, so she seems like she's going to leave. And uh, who knows why? I mean, I guess in, in, in my movie, I always, you know, when you're doing this, kind of get your own movie going. You have to close your eyes, do that. Don't do it on stage because you can fall off. But you get this down. And, and I think it's more humility. It's like, I'm not really supposed to be here anyway. I don't want to get him in trouble. And I really don't want any trouble. So I'm just going to move my way out of here. But Jesus doesn't let her leave. It's kind of interesting. If, if I was going to do a movie here, when, when Jesus asks this in, 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 in verse 30, who touched my garments? Who touched me? You can do anything you want with that, right? Because we don't know how he said it. Did he say, who touched me? Like that? Or was it, who touched me? Ooh, that's a little different, isn't it? For, as I've seen one movie do, it's like, you know, who who touched me? You know, he's just out of, you know, the power went out of him. And now, if you can, you've got perspectives. You've got Jesus' perspective here. He, he felt the power go. That's how he knows somebody touched him. As far as we know, this is the only time this happened. Now, more than likely it happened more than this, but it's just really interesting. I'm not even sure what to do with it theologically, so as a good pastor, I just leave it alone. Kind of one-off. Something's going on, and now we, we we've got the theology that Jesus is fully or truly human and truly divine. So if he's truly human, there's going to be times when things, you know, I don't think God now, you know, he, the Father doesn't get tired. I don't think, uh, but Jesus obviously taking on flesh dealt with some of that. He he, the power went out of him. He says, was that the Spirit that he felt, the Father himself? I don't know. He doesn't say. Uh, where that came from. And then you get the disciples' perspective, which I think is just classic. And mine is a paraphrase here. Are you kidding? There's like a bazillion people around here. And you're asking who touched you? Who didn't touch you? You know, it's a, it's a little interesting. I, I could see myself doing, just going, really? <laughs> but the interesting thing is you don't get the woman's perspective here. We have to guess. And what we tend to do is go to the, you know, but she comes and it tells us she comes with fear and trembling. Now, we know the rest of the story because we just read it. But is it possible that she's thinking, he's going to call me out. I shouldn't have been here. He's going to take it back. He's going to give me this stuff back. You know, I don't know. Did she think that? What is it the Lord gives, the Lord can take away? Well, the Lord took away, can he give it back? <laughs> you know. She's fearful, and I don't know what she was thinking. Um, but she did trust him. 
So it's, it's kind of a, maybe an application for us after we see this. He, she came, and, and it says she told the whole truth. You know, I could see myself, well, I kind of stumbled and I hit you. This guy pushed me, you know, <laughs> just trying to get out of it. It's just, you're not really lying, you're not telling the whole truth either. She just tells the whole truth, you know. She just, and at this point, I don't think she knows what Jesus is going to say. That's hard, isn't it? I don't mind praying, God, whatever you want, I'll do, but could you please run it by me first? Is usually the way I end that. You can see that in some of the, the calls of the prophets. You know, Moses, you know, go into Egypt. It's like, well, I wasn't really thinking maybe that was what you wanted me to do. Can I just kind of hang out here? Is this negotiable? You know, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, people say you want to be in the middle of God's will, and then you find out you're right in the middle where you don't want to be, <laughs> because sometimes in the middle of God's will is not always as comfortable as we'd like it. Sometimes it is, but we have the main thing, and that is the Spirit with us when that happens. But she, I just, I just love verse 33, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, you're not going to convince her. People could say, oh, you're just faking it. I don't think she probably cared what you thought. It's like, I was really sick for 12 years, and now I'm not. If you want to believe it, that's up to you. Um, and we don't know what happened to her after that. Uh, maybe some of you should do a movie. Find out. It would be a good story. So putting her in this, she comes in fear and trembling. She broke the law. Perhaps she expected punishment for it. But then you look at his words. And these are, and again, as I said at the beginning, if you want the crucifixion to make more sense to you, if you want it to touch you deeply, if you want the resurrection to mean more, get to know Jesus through the, for the rest of it. It's not this, you know, Jesus was born, Jesus died, he rose. That's about all we do in some of the creeds, which the creeds are fine. I'm not saying they're bad, but it's like the middle part's actually quite long. And this is what we're doing here. He says, daughter. Ooh, that's interesting. This might be somebody who doesn't really think she's worthy to call God father or anything, or that God even really likes her because she's been sick for 12 years, and a lot of people thought that must be because I did something wrong. And if you are sick or going through bad times, I guarantee you I can find something wrong in your life to, to say that caused it. Right? It's always easy to do that. It's not biblical. And you can always find problems, you know. But he says, daughter... I, I, that, you know, you go to Romans 8. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You know, daughter, you know, you're one of mine. You know, th this is, there's a lot going on here, I think, more than we think, more than we see. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. I wonder if the fear went away when he said daughter. Kind of reminds me of at, at the resurrection, you know, when Mary is just, Mary Magdalene's just really... She's not doing good. You know, they've taken away my Lord. And, and then he says, Mary, you know, that voice that it's, it's got to be similar to here. You wonder if she actually said, he actually said her name, but who, who knows? Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. And if he's your father, then you're his daughter or his son. So this is, this is what he's, there's a lot here. To say daughter is, is it's, it's an affirmation of her faith. It's an affirmation that there's something going on here. 
Your faith in me has made you well, is the way my translation says it. This is the word sozo. Uh, it's the Greek word for saved. And yes, it depends. She's obviously saved from her illness here. and that's. But is there more going on here? Um, you know, Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been sozoed <laughs> through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. It's, it's used in verse 28 also. Uh, for she said, if, if I touch his garments, I will be made sozo. You know, and obviously, I'm not excluding getting rid of the illness, but is there more going on here? Well, I think so. And again, I got the mic. <laughs> so I'll tell you what I think. <laughs> I mean, daughter, we've already talked. Something's going on here with the daughter. Uh, yeah, it'd be hard to get, go in peace and be healed of your disease. Is, that, is there more metaphor going on here, too? Is he just saying, go do whatever the heck you want because now you don't have the issue of blood anymore? I mean, you think about today, if we pray for someone who's sick and uh, either they go in remission or are they healed? What would you tell them next? You're healed. Not do, what am I supposed to do now? I don't know. You're healed. That's what I prayed for. Quit bothering me. You know, is that... I mean, what would you say to them? What would Jesus go in peace? What does it mean to go in peace? With who? You know, it's just, I think there's depth here. Uh, you look in John 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling. Take away the fear and I'll give you peace. Romans 5 is that great twist from 4 to 5, obviously. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. I think there may be more here um, than just, am I 100% certain? Well, no. But there's something, the daughter and the peace, something's going on here. I, I wonder what happened after this. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if she was a quite a follower of him. And maybe it's one of the people that are mentioned later in, in, in the gospel by name or in the letters by name. Um, this is kind of what I think maybe is going on. And be healed from all that your physical healing represented. Your physical disease separated you from people. Your spiritual disease separated you from God. Make sure you live your life knowing which one is the most important to have healed. We're going to get this later, but that line that says, what does it profit a person, a daughter, a woman, to gain the whole world and lose your soul? What difference does it make if she's healed eternally, if it's only physical, and the way he uses it? In my movie, there's going to there's gonna be more than just this line. There's just going to be a really interesting look from Jesus that something more has happened than just healing. Because that doesn't sound like Jesus, does it? Does it sound like Jesus to just say, well, yeah, you're healed. I'm, I'm kind of going this way. Uh, there's something more here. He takes the time to, to be with her. You can imagine why he went away to rest. 
if he actually spent time with each person he healed, like on a one-on-one thing. It had to be. So I do think there's more going on with this than a mere healing of a physical disease, just because of the words and because of the idea of who Jesus is. He didn't come just to make us well for a temporal time that we'll end up dying anyway. I think there's more going on here as we look through it. But we haven't had all our interruptions yet. We have one more interruption. Remember where he was going. You know, meanwhile, could you imagine what, what Jairus, I wonder how long this took. You know, we're trying to get, again, we're not given the, the information about how this woman felt. I mean, a little bit, feel it, fear and trembling. We don't know how Jairus felt, but I can imagine how I I, like I said, I, I know patience is in those two great lists. It's the head of one of them. Uh, you know, in, the, in, the, in Galatians 5, you have the fruits of the Spirit and pa- patience is in there. And then love, he starts with it. Love is patient. It's like, oh, really? Can't it just be kind? Patience. I could see myself saying, yeah, she's healed. Duh. We're going to my, and, and why? It's not because he's mean, it's because his daughter is sick and t- unto death. So what happens in the next generation? While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Now what do you think Jairus felt? Disdain for the woman? <laughs> was he privy to the conversation? I don't know. Maybe he didn't. But Jesus says, he overheard what they said, and Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Hmm, that's interesting. Believe, have faith, trust. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of a ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion. People were weeping and wailing loudly, which means they must, she must have been dead for a little while because they already got the weepers and wailers there, which is a cultural thing. Um, And when he entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was, taking her by the hand. He said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately... The girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. <laughs> I didn't catch that the first time. How many years was that woman? 12 years. I don't know. Do what you want with that. It's always 12. You notice that? Never 13, 11. Either 3, 7, 12, or 40, it seems like. Um, that's a math thing. Let's move on. Uh, Immediately the girl got up and began walking and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly, and this one's interesting, he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. We won't hit that one real hard today, but that one's kind of an interesting one, isn't it? So, again, faith is the antidote to fear. That's where, like, trust me. If you trust Jesus, the fear goes away, right? Or at least it's managed. Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? 
rod and you're st- you're with me, you know. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? He does consistently want people not to focus on the miracles themselves as the end game. That's always true. It doesn't mean we can't focus on them. They're true. They're real. We're not interpreting them away. We're not saying that I don't get as many now as he got then, so they must not be real. No, we try to figure out why. And I think it's not really that difficult. But and notice Jesus gives life to just with words. There's no incantation here. You know, it's not like, you know, you put your head and do it. Nothing. And he does it different all the time. Heck, we're going to find out later he's going to do one from a distance. Didn't even have to touch him. I'm not saying he didn't do some stuff and touch him. And fine, it's personal. You can do what you want. Um, we already had one where he didn't touch her. She touched him. And technically, it was just his garment. But as we did in the children's room, you know, Jesus, by his words, is able to have show great power over evil and death. And that's, you go back, there's the Genesis scriptures in chapter 1 where it says, and God said, over and over again. And again, the miracle was immediate. There's no, well, I think she's not dead. Maybe she's just mostly dead. She's not all dead, right? If you know Princess Bride, you can, you can Google that if you want. Now, the New Testament records that, Je- that Jesus bringing from from death to life three different times. We have, we have this one, of course we have Lazarus from John 11, and then we have this, this in Nain, which is not too far from Nazareth, there's a, a young man uh, that gets, gets that. Um, Paul one time, Peter one time in Acts. It's not a very common occurrence, um, but they're not resurrections. Um, they didn't have resurrected bodies after the miracle, meaning that they died again. You know, you always, always wonder that, how that worked out the second time. <laughs> like Lazarus dies the second time, you got to wait. All right, it's five days. I think we can move on with the funeral. Um, but it shows his great power and authority. Death is not a problem from him. But, you know, again, we, there's many healing ministries out there, uh, and uh, hopefully they're well-meaning. Um, I'm all for healing. I think we, we pray for that in our own church, but the expectation sometimes is not biblical. Um, you know, why don't we include this one? I, I've seen it a couple times where somebody has died and, well, if you just have faith, they'll come back. This didn't happen that often and Jesus was here. Um, just be careful with those things. And again, what difference does it make if they come back to life if they still don't know Jesus? Um, it probably isn't very logical to expect these things. You didn't expect it back then. Um, And neither did Paul. I mean, Paul talks about going to die. James got beheaded. John the Baptist got killed. Lots of people got killed when Jesus was around. He wasn't just popping them all back. There's probably a deeper reason. It does show his power over death. And you can say, well, God can do this. I know he can do it. He can. But did he promise in his word that this would be the norm for believers? No. Well, then don't, don't grab onto a promise he didn't give it. We should not expect what God did not promise. The promises in there are really good. Know them. He will be with you. He will not forsake you. He will always forgive you when you repent, and he will always, always protect you from evil. All you have to do is ask. 
And apparently God thinks those are the best promises. And remember, he's continuing to, to perform these miracles and we're seeing who he is through the eyes of the disciples. But remember that he's offering like he did to this woman and, and even to this, you know, little girl, get up. Daughter, family, father, no fear, faith, trust. And we'll end with this. Remember, every time you see your faith is healed, your faith in who, not your faith in what? Don't sit around trying to figure out if God, if I have enough faith for God to do it. Just trust in him and let him take care of it. He knows what he's doing better than you do. Let us pray. Father, we do thank you that through your word we see clearly what you promised, what you haven't promised. What a wonderful thing of raising somebody from that it shows your power. But maybe even more importantly, it shows that we all will be raised at that day when you come back. And that this is just a picture of what's to come. And everybody will be well and will have to be healed in the new heaven and the new earth. May we remember that knowing you and being able to call you our Savior and you Father and you Spirit, that that is the main thing, that we're sons and daughters of the Father because of the Son and the Spirit. May that always be the most important thing in our lives. Amen.